We continue this morning in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 10, and it's interesting that as we read daily through the the Proverbs this summer, that chapter 10 begins at an important section from chapter 10 to chapter 22 that is a a place where the Psalms, it's it's kind of a, as as we've enjoyed these last few weeks, that chapters 10 to 22 offers a, a buffet of morsels of wisdom. Not, not at a buffet that you can pick and choose from. Well, I like this piece of wisdom and not this piece of wisdom, but, but a buffet that, that shows us the beauty of wisdom and it allows us to see what life can be like, the life of wisdom and of righteousness, the stable life versus the unstable life. And so as we read chapters 10 through 22, let's, let's pick out those morsels and let's meditate on them and let's chew on them and enjoy them. In these chapters, there's about 375 statements of wisdom. And certainly some of them deal with the same thing or restating the same truths and principles. But again, opportunities for us to focus on wisdom. In chapter 10, I've, I've chosen today to, to focus on the, the topic and the idea of integrity. Some of you have probably heard, we have some golfers out in our, our congregation today. Some of you have probably heard of the Bob Jones Award. It's given by the United States Golfing Association. It is their sportsmanship award. It is the highest honor that the USGA gives And again, in the area of distinguished sportsmanship in golf. Winners include Ben Hogan, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Babe Saharis, Nancy Lopez, Payne Stewart, even non-golfers like Bob Hope and Bing Crosby and George H.W. Bush have been awarded the Bob Jones Award by the USGA. Bob Jones was a a significant golfer in the 1920s and 30s, and he was an amateur, a lawyer by trade, and and a wonderful golfer. Uh, He's known for uh, his influence and role in helping design the Augusta National and, and putting on the Masters and helping to establish that. But his reputation as a man of character and integrity continues to go after him and went before him as he competed. In the 1925 U.S. Open, Bob Jones was playing around with uh, the first round with Walter Hagen. On the 11th hole, Jones's approach fell short of the green, and in the green around in the in the rough around the green, it was it was very uh, rough. It was it was heavy, dense rough, and his ball was down in the in the grass. And he walked up and he began to make his preparation to hit his his shot onto the green. And as his club brushed back against the grass, as he was making preparations, his ball moved very slightly and insignificantly. And Jones backed away from the club. He called Walter Hagen over and he said, you know what, my ball just moved. I need to assess myself a a one-stroke penalty. And Walter Hagen said, "Well, well, I didn't see it move. 
So they called the, 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 the official over who was following the group and, and he told the official what was going on and that he had slightly moved the ball and the official said, well, well nobody saw it. And Joan said, well, but I saw the ball move and I need to assess a stroke. And so they began to ask the gallery that had gathered around Jones as he prepared to hit the ball. And they asked those in the gallery, did, did you see the ball move? And, and not one person said that they saw the golf ball move. Yet Jones recorded a penalty shot for himself. At the end of the golf tournament, this was just the first round, at the end of the golf tournament, Jones was tied for the lead. A championship that he would lose the next day as they had their sudden death playoff. Tied. Without that penalty that no one wanted him to assess to himself, he would have been the winner of the 1925 Open. Yet Bob Jones was a golfer of integrity. He was a golfer that understood even though he was the only one that saw that golf ball move and it affected him by no way in any kind of advantage, the ball moved, he knew what the rule was, he assessed himself a penalty and he lost the U.S. Open because of that. As that story began to spread throughout the press and people began to talk to him and ask him about it and they began to, to, to offer their praise and adulation to Jones, Finally, Jones had had enough, and he said this. He said, you might as well praise a man for not robbing a bank as to praise him for playing by the rules. Bob Jones was a golfer with integrity. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9 says this. He who walks in integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will be found out. That, that word perverts is, is another way to say that. But he who perverts or twists his ways will be found out. Remember last week in, in Proverbs chapter 3, we, we talked about that we're to trust the Lord and with all of our heart and that he will direct our paths. He will make our paths straight. Again, we have that same idea for the man or the woman walking in integrity. Guess what? You can walk securely because that path is straight. It's direct. And even when the storms come, even when the, the, it becomes difficult to walk that path, you can walk securely in integrity in the way of the Lord. But for the one that does not walk in integrity, we have the picture of one who walks perverted or twisted paths, twisted routes, a twisted journey. You, you don't know when to, where to go and, and your paths just intertwine and you find yourself entangled too often and in many different ways. But the one who walks with integrity walks securely in life and in the Lord. As we've discovered through these readings of Proverbs, the Proverbs outline two ways of life. It outlines the way of life as a way of wisdom and a way of righteousness. This is the, the direct, the straight path. But the Proverbs also talk about the way of foolishness. 
the way of wickedness. Now it's interesting that both of these paths become a natural for those that take that particular path. As we learn to walk in righteousness, as we learn to walk in integrity, as the Spirit of God directs us, it, it, it becomes a natural way of life. Not that we're perfect, certainly not. But it becomes a natural expression of who we are. Likewise, the way of the wicked, the way of the foolish, it becomes the natural way that they walk. And, and they would not understand the, the right or the wrong different ways because their paths are twisted. And so the Proverbs helps us to understand the way of the wise and righteous versus the way of the wicked and foolish. The righteous are those who are loyal and faithful. The righteous are those that act and conduct themselves in such a way that reflects their commitment to God and also to others. The wicked, however, the foolish, however, are disloyal. They are rebellious towards God. And they certainly disregard others in the sense of being selfish and pursuing their own selfish gain and profit. As we read through the Proverbs, we discover that integrity is inseparably linked with wisdom and righteousness. The way of integrity is the way of the Lord. Doing the right thing, taking the right path, is the way of integrity. M.H. McKee put it this way. He said, wisdom is knowing the right path to take. Integrity is taking it. You see, integrity has something to do with righteousness. We could never say Hitler was a man of integrity, even though his inside matched his actions, right? Because you see, there's something about integrity that calls us to righteousness, to goodness, to wisdom. And so those that would walk, even though the inside and the outside matches, if they walk in wickedness, they walk in the path of evil and foolishness, they cannot be said to be people of integrity. C.S. Lewis put it this way, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. Again, Bob Jones is a perfect example of that. He with his own eyes saw that the ball moved and even though there was no advantage, he understood that the rule had been broken and that he needed to be penalized. Not just that no one saw it, but they were talking him out of doing what was the right thing. Integrity is doing what is right, even when no one else is watching, and even when others would come to talk you out of doing the right thing. Alan Simpson said this, If you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. And Tom Peter said, there is no such thing as a lapse of integrity. What a convicting idea and thought about integrity. There is no such thing as a lapse of integrity. To, to act in such a way and say, oh, well, I didn't mean that. Integrity understands that we always act out of who we are inside. 
And when evil or foolishness comes out of us, we need to, to confess that this is in us. It's, it's a part of us. And, and to repent from that and to understand that there's no such thing as a lapse of integrity. Proverbs 10, 29 says this, The way of the Lord is a stronghold for those with integrity. Remember the, the Psalms and the psalmist reminds us over and over again that, that our God is a strong tower. He's a, a refuge in our time of need. The writer of Proverbs picks up on that idea when he says, the way of the Lord is a stronghold. When we walk in the way of the Lord, we find security because God is our strength and our shelter. The way of the Lord is the way of integrity. But this proverb continues, the way of the Lord is ruin, is ruin to the workers of iniquity. Those that would choose not to walk in the way of the Lord find themselves and, and practice wickedness, find themselves to be workers of iniquity, workers of conflict and of evil. And what they discover and find along their twisted path is ruin and destruction and death. The prophet Hosea in chapter 6 says this, Workers of iniquity are tracked with bloody footprints. You know the people I'm talking about there. there there's a wickedness, there's a foolishness, there's, a, there's something about them and, and they leave in their path, a path of destruction, and you come behind them and what do you see? You see footprints of blood where they're leaving their path and mark of where they've been. The way of the Lord is a stronghold for those with integrity, but it's ruin, destruction to workers of iniquity. Those who pursue and practice evil, those who pursue and practice wickedness and foolishness are not people of integrity. They are workers of iniquity. Chapter 10, as we continue to read, offers at least five aspects of integrity, five, at least five ways that we can begin to walk in a way of integrity. Look at verses 4 and 5 if you haven't already turned to, to Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 4, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. One of the ways that we can, can walk in integrity is to understand that, that people of integrity walk diligently in their work. And we would understand that, that sometimes we work in, in a profession, a career, and we, we receive a harvest of, of being paid for that. But many of us work at, at home, we work in our neighborhoods, we volunteer, we work in our church. And what the Scripture tells us is that the person who walks in integrity is the one who works diligently at the task that's before them. Those who walk without integrity are those who are negligent in their work. Oh, that, that's okay. We'll get by with that. Nope, nobody will see that. Yet those with integrity work diligently. They work diligently for themselves, for their families, their employer. They work diligently for the Lord in committing their works and their harvest 
unto the Lord. One of the first ways that chapter 10 offers us as a, as a way to walk in integrity is to walk diligently in the work that God calls us to and that we find to do. Secondly, in verse 11, the way of integrity is a fountain of life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? What, what's contrary to a fountain of life? A, a stagnant pool. A stagnant pool that's collected, that, that stinks and smells. And look at what verse 11 says. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Oh, don't you know those people that you just can't wait to be around? You can't wait to go have a cup of coffee with or, or to talk to on the phone, to text back and forth because the words of their mouths, the words of their thumb are a fountain of life and you can't wait to hear from them and it may be a, a, a bad day and oh, if I could just hear from that person because their words are so refreshing. Their words are so life-giving. They're such an encouragement it's been hot this week, hasn't it? If you've been outside working or playing or whatever, you have probably gotten pretty parched. And the best thing to drink on a hot summer day is a good glass of ice water, right? Oh, you, you drink that and, and you're hot and it just refreshes your whole body. It, it cools you down. It's, it's delicious. It's like, wow, thank you, God, for cold water. Thanks for ice. This is delicious. It's so refreshing. This water is a fountain of life. And people with integrity speak and talk to each other and use their mouths as a fountain of life. Does that reflect who you are? I would confess that, that not always are my words a fountain of life. But oh, that we would begin to walk in that way. Because listen, look at verse 11, or in verses 8 and verse 10, before and after this particular proverb in verse 11. It says, a babbling fool will be ruined. You see the, the contrast? The person of integrity speaks and his words are, are, are a fountain of life. Whereas the person without integrity, the foolish person, their words lead to ruin. Do you know any people that babble? A babbling fool talks forever about nothing. Not because they are full, but because they are empty. You listen to the person that babbles and they babble and they babble and they babble and you get through and you say, well, did they say anything? <laughs> no, but they kept talking the whole time. The babbling fool is one who will be ruined. Why? Because their words that they spew are not words that produce life. But their words that produce destruction and death. Their words of foolishness and of evil. Let us not ever forget that the words of the righteous, the, the words of the person of integrity are life-giving and refreshing. A third way that we can walk in integrity according to Proverbs 10 is to understand that the way of integrity enjoys or produces payments of life. Look at verse 16. The wages of the righteous is life, 
the income of the wicked is punishment. Isn't that a powerful statement? The wages, the payment of the righteous, the one who walks in righteousness, the one who walks in righteousness at, at work, the one who walks in righteousness with their family, in their relationships, the one who walks in righteousness, guess what you receive back from that? that what the harvest is, what the payment is. The payment is life. And oh, we, we know those seasons of life where, where we're walking with integrity, we're walking justly and rightly, and life is, is good and just and and it's filled with good things. Even amidst when, when the struggles and difficulties come, life is good. But notice the income of the wicked. The payment of wickedness is punishment. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The payment of sin is death. As, as, we, as we act in ways that are not ways of integrity, as we act in ways of foolishness and of, of evil and of wickedness, guess what? The result of that, the immediate payment of that, is death, is destruction, is punishment. And we experience the consequences of that immediately. Even though there may be a season where we think we're getting away with it, the Scripture reminds us that the way of the foolish is ruined, that the income, the payment of wickedness is punishment. Fourthly, the way of integrity is hope. Proverbs 10.28, the hope of the righteous is gladness. The hope or expectation of the wicked perishes. Do you have hope? As, as we reflect over this week, as we sang, it is well with my soul, that's a, that's a statement, it's a profession of hope. Even in the midst of difficult and hard days. Do you have hope? Does your hope create a gladness, a joy, a happiness within you? People that walk with integrity and in righteousness, there's a, there's a hope about them. There's a hope that the wages of righteousness is life and that that life is to be experienced in deeper and greater ways. The hope of the righteous brings joy and gladness. But the hope the expectation of the wicked, of the foolish, perishes. There is no hope where there is foolishness and wickedness. Lastly, the way of integrity. Proverbs 10, verse 30. The righteous will never be shaken. The righteous, another way to say that, the righteous will always stand firm, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. You know what I thought of when I, when I saw that first? It said, the righteous will not be shaken, it will not be, will always stand firm, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. I thought of Oklahoma, and I thought of, I thought of the tornadoes that we have around here. Think of the spiritual, emotional, think of the tornadoes that you experience in life. The way of integrity allows you to dwell in the land, to re remain faithful, to stand firm, to not be blown away. But the wicked, the unrighteous, the foolish will not dwell in the land. They will not be able to stand firm in the land. They're, they're going to be blown away, so to speak, and, and tossed to and fro. What a, a powerful picture, the way of integrity 
It's a way that will not be shaken, that will be able to stand firm. I've had several that have come up to me in the last week or so and expressing their concerns about our nation, about, the, again, the, the political process, the election season. And here's, here's my response. What if we as a people decided that, that as we move forward that we would always commit to walking in integrity and with integrity during this season? That we would vote our hearts and our minds and our consciences with integrity? Now there, I suspect, will be lots of conversations about what does that look like and, and how can we do that? But what if we committed to walk in the way of integrity? You see, the promise of Scripture is that if we'll walk with integrity, that we will not be shaken. We will be able to stand firm. We will we'll be able to dwell in the land. Oh, that we as a people, as a Christian people, oh, that we as a nation would step back and say, from this day forward, let us walk in integrity and dwell in this land. In 1926, Bobby Jones stood on the 15th green in the second round of the U.S. Open. The wind was blowing pretty strongly. He grounded his putter, which means he placed his putter behind the golf ball, preparing to put on that green. And almost one year later, when he put his club down, the ball rolled back a half a turn. Jones stepped away. His playing partner did not see that his ball had moved. The official that was with the group did not see the ball move. The gallery around the green did not see the ball move, but Jones saw the ball move. And he assessed himself in the second round of the U.S. Open. One year later, a penalty stroke because the ball moved and he saw it. In 1926, Bob Jones became the first golfer to ever win the U.S. Open and the British Open in the same year. And he won it because he was a man of integrity. And he won the championship that meant everything to him because he won it with integrity. He walked and he golfed with integrity. Oh, that we would be people who, like Bob Jones, golfed, walk with integrity. In the Gospel of John, there's a story of Jesus is being visiting with Pilate. And, and the Gospel of John gives you the indication that it's only Pilate and Jesus that are speaking. The Jewish leaders have made their demands. They want Jesus crucified. The crowd is being stirred up and, and they're beginning to chant for Barabbas to be freed and for Jesus to be put to death. Pilate's wife has, has, has connected with, with Pilate and said, Pilate, don't have anything to do with this just man. Just set him free. You can hear his wife say. And Pilate has Jesus in his quarters and they begin to talk. Pilate says, who are you? I think what he was saying is, Jesus, help me. Say something that will let me set you free. The mob is restless. They're ready to beat you. They're ready to crucify you. Just between you and me, say something so that I can set you free. And 
And Jesus died with integrity on the cross. And in doing so, His death and His resurrection make our salvation possible. And through Jesus Christ, we too can become men and women of integrity. If we'll receive His gift and learn to walk in His righteousness each day. Let's pray.